Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. The Vanishing Point is released weekly, every Wednesday, and brought to you absolutely free. But if you want to binge the whole season right now, subscribe to Tenderfoot Plus at tenderfootplus.com or on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get exclusive bonus content. For more information, check out the show notes. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the podcast author or individuals participating in the podcast and do not represent those of Tenderfoot TV or their employees. This podcast also contains subject matter which may not be suitable for everyone. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Celestia Stanton. This is The Vanishing Point. So we're going through Hoopah right now, downtown Hoopah, on State Route 96, heading north, and we're getting ready to go to the Yurok Reservation. Hoopah Valley, it's, it's, a, you know, it's, it's a reservation, and What's, what's interesting about with reservations is they're kind of the same all across the country. And, and again, I think that is you know probably a manifestation of the trauma that seems to be common to Native people. During our trip to Hoopa, our team connected with Chief Greg O'Rourke of the Yurok Tribal Police. You heard from Chief O'Rourke during the season, specifically discussing the case of Emily Risling, a case on which he worked extensively. I really do think that we as a community missed a huge opportunity to allow Emily to continue to help her people by bringing her story and her struggles, you know, to the forefront and not being afraid to discuss it. You know, not being afraid of the stigma of mental health. It's a medical issue and it's something that needs to be addressed. There's other Native people in our communities that are on the same road that Emily was, and there's a likelihood that they can also go missing. This season, when discussing cases like Emily's, our team found that the number one obstacle cited was jurisdictional issues. Jurisdictional issues may sound like a vague excuse for prolonging justice, but when there are so many law enforcement entities involved, tribal police, state police, and federal police, it can be hard to know who's really in charge of a case. Taking that a step further, complicated jurisdictional laws make it easier for any given law enforcement entity to claim that a case is not within their purview, and therefore, not their responsibility. You might think that all these layers of law enforcement would amount to more help on a case, but it may actually achieve the opposite effect. To people in Hoopa and Kovalo, this bureaucratic confusion allows cases to lose steam as they sit in limbo. When our team sat down with Chief O'Rourke, we wanted to know more about the structure of policing on the Yurok Reservation. Our jurisdiction is the Yurok Reservation, which spans two counties. And so you see how it just kind of 
big this is in the area that we're at. So the reservation bifurcates both Humboldt and Del Norte counties. Our officers are deputized by the sheriff's office in both Humboldt and Del Norte counties. So we have the authority to enforce state law as well as tribal code on the reservation. According to a 2018 U.S. Department report, there are 234 tribal law enforcement agencies that provide a variety of public safety services on tribal land. 70% of those agencies have at least one officer that is authorized to also enforce state laws. As Chief O'Rourke stated, in his Yurok Tribal Police Agency, all of the officers are deputized. We asked how many officers are currently in his department. We're at 12 sworn, and that's including myself and my lieutenant. We're trying to expand, but it takes money. If you want good cops, you have to pay for them. Do you feel like it's, you struggle with that number and all the things you have to do? Oh, yeah. So the, the demands that are being put upon the police department by council, by the community, by allied agencies, by tribal departments has far exceeded our budget. So our budget, you know, and it just can't support the demand. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com odyssey. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million families building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. That's greenlight.com slash odyssey. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. The Yurok Reservation has a population of approximately 800 and spans over 55,000 miles. Twelve officers patrol this vast area, with the nearest sheriff's office being 70 miles away. With an increase in demand for interagency support, search and rescue, general public safety concerns, and a decrease in funding, tribal police struggle to meet the demands. 
It's huge, and it's one of the primary issues that has been identified that contributes to some of the MMIP crisis that uh, Native communities are facing. Because there is jurisdictional confusion and jurisdictional bounds, but yet reservations don't necessarily are, you know, are, are restricted to those same jurisdictional lines. If someone calls 911 because we are deputized, the dispatcher is going to receive the call and then they'll dispatch tribal police to the call for service. Law enforcement jurisdictions are bound by jurisdictional lines, but reservations are not. So, for example, we're on the Hoopa Reservation. Something here is going to have an impact on the Yurok Reservation, as well as up on Tolawadini Nation, as well as Kudruks and Siskiyou County, as well as, you know, Miwoks and Pomos down south. We are all connected. We all have those familial ties. So tell us how that contributes to the MMIP crisis. So Native people have an historic and inherent mistrust of law enforcement. And it most easily contributes to the trauma and the traumatic imprinting from boarding schools. From the late 1800s to the 1970s, the federal government ran approximately 480 boarding schools for Native American children across the United States, three being in California. The goal of these schools was assimilation into white Christian culture. Those who refused the education were abused. Given his role, Chief O'Rourke is keenly aware of the impact of generational trauma on the relationship between law enforcement and Native people. So when I was working with the sheriff's office, many of my deputies would ask me, you know, why do they act that way? They, meaning the reservation, you know, Native people up here. And my response was, you know, do you want a simple answer or do you want a truthful answer? And it would come and, and I'd ask them, do you have kids? Well, yeah. And if some government entity came to forcibly remove your, you know, your kid from your home, would you fight? Oh, yeah, I'd fight. Well, yeah, they fought back then, too. And so the social workers that were responding to Native homes to collect Native kids needed protection. So they brought deputies to accompany them. And that was the introduction of law enforcement to Native families and Native kids. And so the Yurok word uh, for peace officer, Kleigamina, translates to he goes and gets people. And so that is a very negative connotation of peace officer, you know, the police. It's not what the profession wants to be able to put out to the community, but the history of the word really gives insight to the history of the relations between the community and law enforcement. That's actually very powerful mm -hmm. in translation and how that can even, like you said, impact not just the individual or the adult, but the child. Absolutely. So, again, trying to relate this to, to people, you know, to be able to understand and how that adverse childhood effect, you know, has an impact on kids growing up. Every single Native person in, in the state has some story about some abuse or some police brutality, some police mistreatment, either real or perceived, but everybody has a story. You know, as Native people, you, you know, we have a long history of that oral history, so that's how this information gets passed down. That's how, you know, lessons get passed down. But yet, because of that negative impact and that negative interaction with law enforcement dating back from 
boarding school days, that gets brewed in and fostered mistrust within communities. So how it relates to MMIP is when the investigating agency responds, the people in the family already have a mistrust of them. They may not be willing to cooperate with the investigation. They may not give accurate information. They may not give all the information that's pertinent to the investigation, and that hampers it. You know, it's not allowing that agency to be able to fully investigate. The National Indigenous Women's Resource Center is a Native-led nonprofit organization that is committed to ending violence against Native women and children. One resource on their website is an MMIW brochure. It emphasizes that the first 72 hours of a missing person's investigation are by far the most crucial. As we heard from Chief O'Rourke, inherent distrust of law enforcement can cause delays that are detrimental to the investigation, especially when time is of the essence. Investigative delays impact the collection of evidence and reduce the likelihood that the crime scene is preserved and key witness interviews are conducted. And so from a law enforcement perspective, you know, we're like, oh, my God, I wish they'd cooperate. But that's not taking a trauma-informed approach to that community that has this long history of trauma. Trauma-informed policing involves more than just being empathetic towards a community. According to the United States Department of Justice, trauma-informed training educates police on how to reduce harm, avoid re-traumatizing, and recognize the history and impact of policing in communities of color. It aids law enforcement officers in understanding how violence, substance abuse, mental health, and trauma are all interconnected. Chief O'Rourke shared how his team is working to implement these practices today. You know, being able to establish that rapport and trust with the community, you can't do it when they're going through something as you know, horrific as and worrisome as a missing daughter, as a you know, missing person, or, or when you know, a loved one's the victim of violence. That's not when you're gonna establish trust. That's how that mistrust contributes to the crisis that's going on with Native people. Chief O'Rourke also emphasized the importance of reducing the barrier that exists between law enforcement and Native communities before a tragedy occurs, so that in a crisis, there's already a foundation of trust. I'll give an example. So when I was working with the sheriff's office, I was just a patrol deputy working, uh, signed up here in this area. When Kadijah went missing down around Valley, I had her family members call me and tell me, hey, this is what's going on. You know, what can you do to help? They weren't telling Mendo County investigators. Then there wasn't much that I could do because I'm just a beat cop from a different jurisdiction and not even part of, you know, detective or part of the CID. But yet I knew more information about the case than the investigators did because the family didn't want to speak to the investigators. They didn't trust them. I had information, but I wasn't, you know, couldn't be part of the case because, you know, I'm confined by those jurisdictional bounds. So it sounds like you being Native helps build that trust with the families. Yes. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing. So you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. 
Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com therapy60. Do you ever wish you could become a detective and help find the clues to the case? How about all of that in a mobile game that you can take anywhere? In June's journey, each scene leads to a new thrilling storyline. Uncover the mystery of June's sister's murder and find out about scandalous family secrets. The gameplay lets you find hidden clues as you investigate a murder mystery. Escape to a bygone age of mystery, danger, and romance. Let your imagination run wild when decorating your island estate and collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. Whether you're craving a good mystery or looking for an escape, you can immerse yourself in the world of June Parker. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story taking you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. Each new scene takes you further through a thrilling murder mystery story that sets the main protagonist, June Parker, on a quest to solve the murder of her sister and uncover her family's many secrets. I travel so much while working that I personally love to play it while sitting around airports with all that free time I have. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. We covered Khadijah Britton's case in episodes five and six this season. In 2018, Chief O'Rourke was over 200 miles away from the site of her disappearance, as well as a deputy in another jurisdiction. Yet O'Rourke still received calls and tips from the community down in Covalo. We spoke to the former Mendocino County deputy, Trent James, who was assigned to Khadijah's case. We wanted to learn more about his experience as a non-native deputy living on the Round Valley Reservation. I was really into community policing. That was just kind of my thing. It was my niche. And it was something that I enjoyed. I like talking to people, chopping it up and getting to know people. I'm from a small town anyway and grew up in a small town. So it was something that came very natural to me. So, you know, you just get to know people and you want to talk to them. And it's a, as a cop, especially in that capacity as a res- resident deputy, it's better to you know, get to know people on a personal level. They learn that you're a human. They can trust you. You're not going to screw them over. You're not like the cops that they see in the media, that kind of a thing. Despite his personal experience with community members, James still witnessed the impacts of historical trauma on the community's overall relationship with law enforcement. That town, unfortunately, has had a horrendous history with bad experiences with prior resident deputies, some that have gotten fired, 5150, a lot of bad things that they did and they're no longer in law enforcement. So it was interesting for me. I worked out there for a number of years prior to moving there. So like I lived in a different town, the nearest town was an hour away. So I lived in a different town and I would go out there for my shift every day. And I did that for years until I got to a point where I knew the community very well and the people very well. Me moving there just allowed me to do my job more efficiently and better being a full-time presence. Liaisoning between the community and law enforcement allowed James to get tips from informants and assist with the investigation into Khadijah's disappearance. Still, he didn't shy away from sharing how jurisdictional issues and other systemic challenges in the state of California impacted the investigation. 
So California is different. So it falls under the public law 280, meaning that the sheriff's office has ultimate jurisdiction over reservation land in the entire state, even over the FBI, over tribal police, over literally everybody. Another complication on the Round Valley Reservation, the tribal police are not deputized like the Yurok police are. The Round Valley tribal police have distinct limitations. They enforce reservation law on reservation land, but at most that's looking like a citation that they get. They have their own court that a judge would come into from outside the area like once a month and hear some of these cases. But no, they are not allowed to arrest anybody. If they detain somebody for us because they, you know, a crime has been committed or whatever, it's a citizen's arrest. So they're basically, you know, I hate to put it this way, but it's it's just an easier way to put it. They're basically like security guards that have guns, armed security guards. They do not have uh, powers to arrest or anything. They're regular citizens. So if they get somebody with a that has a warrant, you know, they can pull people over and do stuff. James relied heavily on tribal police for backup as a lone deputy in town. I remember I got told, you know, don't use tribal police for any reason. You better not be calling them. I still fucking did it anyway. I just did it to where he didn't know about it. I'm like, dude, you are smoking crack if you think I'm going to go to this call that warrants like six deputies going to it by myself. When it comes to these MMIP cases, it's the terrain and the demographics and the, you know, the population, the socioeconomic structure and all that stuff plays a factor into these things not getting solved. James was not shy about his frustration with leadership in the sheriff's department. He felt that the systemic issues limited his capacity to solve cases and make a positive impact. He resigned from Mendocino County Sheriff's Department, and in 2022, he ran for sheriff of Mendocino County as a write-in candidate. He won 14% of the votes, but ultimately lost to incumbent Matt Kendall. Today, James continues to work missing persons cases all over the United States as a private investigator. For Chief O'Rourke, the best way that he believes he can make a difference is to not only remain in law enforcement, but to advocate and push for systemic and legislative change at the tribal, state, and federal levels. So now that I'm in a position where I can have a positive impact on policy, start thinking, what if? What if tribal police had the ability to go from one reservation to another reservation to be able to liaise with that native community? And the reason why I say that is Tribal police, in, at least in California, I believe is the paragon of what community policing is because we're part of the community. We want to foster law enforcement from amidst the community to be able to move into this profession. Gregor Work ultimately wants tribal police to be empowered and enabled to step up and help the community more from the inside. After all, they are the law enforcement entity that best understands the community's unique challenges. Instead of having, you know, a government entity, a state entity come in and say, you know, this is your problems and this is how we're going to fix it. <laughs> At least in my opinion, I think that's, you know, a true expression of sovereignty. That's one of the issues, I think, in coming with state law enforcement responding to MMIP is not understanding or being able to recognize those cultural differences. And it's not, you know, blaming the state entity, but it's coupled with everything else that we spoke about earlier in the interview that helped leads to that misunderstanding. Chief O'Rourke says he fears for his own adopted daughter. In a 2023 article in the Los Angeles Times, he states, the system is what, in my opinion, is allowing this to happen and even encourages it, he said. 
one of my favorite things is what if. And so with us as tribal police and with my role that I've learned in this job as being a native peace officer, not just a native police officer, but a person who has grown up with culture and ceremony and participating in that and learning our culture, you know, being part of our culture, and then moving into law enforcement. One of those unofficial roles that I kind of took upon myself was to be that liaison between our native communities and law enforcement. To be able to speak with people, how to talk to people, uh, how to problem solve without just putting somebody in handcuffs and taking them to jail. So from... This is Chief O'Rourke speaking at his swearing-in ceremony in 2019. His goal was to bring the peace officer philosophy back to policing. So now, this full circle, I get to come home. And this has always been my end goal, to be able to come back here. I felt like I needed to leave the tribe to be able to learn the skill set, make the context, bring that knowledge back to the tribe. And I'm truly honored and I'm truly humbled that that the tribe hired me to be able to come back and assume this role of chief. A couple things that I believe in is I believe in the concept of our village protector. I mean, traditionally, we didn't have law enforcement. We had a protector of the village. And I want to bring that concept to our tribal law enforcement and have our officers be able to put the village ahead of themselves. Uh, I, I think by holding on to its traditional values, but also moving forward with the progressive and professional law enforcement culture is going to be a unique challenge of one that I'm very excited um, to be able to undertake. Four years later, he's helped educate and train officers and legislators about the importance of trauma-informed policing. But the work continues. In the meantime, Chief O'Rourke is committed to, quote, keeping the village safe and combating the systemic issues that contribute to the MMIP crisis. The Vanishing Point is a production of Tenderfoot TV, in association with Odyssey. I'm your host, Celicia Stanton. The show is written by Meredith Studman, Alex Vespastad, and Jamie Albright, with additional writing assistance by me. Executive producers are Donald Albright and Payne Lindsay. Lead producer is Jamie Albright, along with producer Meredith Studman. Editing by Alex Vespastad, with additional editing by Sydney Evans. Supervising producer is Tracy Kaplan. Additional production by Laura Frader and Ali Hostler. Research by Laura Frader and Taylor Floyd. Artwork by Byron McCoy. Original music by Makeup at Vanity Set. Mix by Dayton Cole. Thank you to Oren Rosenbaum and the team at UTA, Beck Media and Marketing, and the Nord Group. Special thanks to Greg O'Rourke, the KIDE 91.3 radio station in Hoopa, the Two Rivers Tribune, and all of the families and community members that spoke to us. For more podcasts like The Vanishing Point, search Tenderfoot TV on your favorite podcast app or visit us at tenderfoot.tv. Thanks for listening. <laughs>